Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Timber Living Log Cabins. For your perfect workspace, living space or hideaway, timberliving.ie. Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1. Texter says he has an egg phobia as well. Blames Humpty Dumpty, apparently. The things we do to our children. OK, joining us now to romp through the releases of the week on our big and small screens are entertainment journalist Jen Gannon and the Irish Times chief film correspondent Donald Clark. Good afternoon, guys. Hello. Uh, Donald, the once great Tom Hanks and his son uh, in a remake of a Swedish film. This is not promising. What? what? What's happened with Tom Hanks? <laughs> well, no, it's, it's a reasonably prominent film, to be fair. It's, I mean, it, is, it is emerging under cover of darkness in the first week of January, which is not necessarily um, uh, um, speaks um, uh, strongly of the studio's confidence in A Man Called Otto, um, based on a Swedish film called A Man Called Ove, which emerged about uh, five years ago. Good film. Um, it's, um, it's a funny one. I mean, it works absolutely fine. Um, he plays an elderly gentleman who's living in a tidy, bland cul-de-sac, um, whose bylaws he fanatically enforces. Um, he's a widower, clearly he's working through traumas with um, that he hasn't quite processed properly. And you you know, just because of the dynamics of these things, that towards the end of the film, he will warm to his neighbours and become a kinder, gentler person, and everybody will live happily ever after. Um, it, I mean, it's hard to entirely resist. I think Tom Hanks is slightly miscast. I mean, I love Tom Hanks. We all love Tom Hanks. We love summer and Coca-Cola and, um, yeah. um, you know, an ice cream. But um, I don't quite... Be, I mean, the original um, um, actor in, this, in Swedish film was this kind of great burly guy with hair sticking out at all angles who, who convinced you that he could be a Norwegian or Swedish version of Victor Meldrew. There's this always something a little bit too kindly and gentle about Tom Hanks. He's obviously to trying to stretch in this himself, role. is he? I yeah. think so, yes. Yeah. And also, he looks a bit too kind of fit and well. I mean, he's, he's lost a bit of weight over the last sort of year or two yeah. since COVID. And he looks like someone who has lived a fairly comfortable year life in Hollywood for the last 40 years. But it is quite charming. It's well played. It's well acted all the way okay. through, despite his, his miscast. I, I hear you. Nobody, need, nobody needs to bother going <laughs> to the cinema for fine. that. It'll show up on the streaming in, in a few months. Okay. Uh, Jen, you have one for us to be on uh, Channel 4 and streaming on all four The Light yeah. in the Hall Yeah so it started this started on Tuesday but the six uh, episodes are up on all four now so it is a kind of perfect binge it's a real slow burner it's you know it's very forgiven for your post Christmas frazzled brain um, it's a crime drama but it's not a whodunit it's not about a chase for a serial killer you know who the, the actual murderer is so the slant is it's more about the effects that crime have on people, on ordinary people and the legacy that crime has. So it centres on this teenage girl, Ella Roberts. She went missing 18 years ago from a small Welsh village. And at the time, her boyfriend, Joe, was convicted of the murder. He's played by Misfits Ewan uh, Rian, who has the most intense googly eyes ever. I've, I can't believe he's never been cast as a serial killer before because okay. Okay. he really looks like it. Um, so he's con- uh, convicted of murder. He never disclosed where Ella's body was. And he says he has amnesia and he never gave a motivation as to why he killed her. He's out on parole. Um, Ella's mother, Sharon, she's played by the amazing Joanna Scanlon. She's just living this half-life where she's thinks about her daughter all the time she sees her all the time there's a lot of flashbacks in it and then there's also this journalist Kat who was a 
friend of Ella's, she comes back to the small town to actually write a story about the, the murders itself. So it's all about kind of like true crime as well and why we're interested in that okay. and that kind of salaciousness about true crime as well. But it's about the victims. It's about, you know, that kind of you're living with this guilt and you're living with this sadness. And, so and an what intelligent happens. binge. Yeah, Quality exactly. binge. You don't exactly. need to feel too bad or, or empty after you watch it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Donald, the 80th Golden Globes are on Tuesday night. They'll be on TV on RT on Wednesday night, the package. Um, are, are people still boycotting it? And what is the Irish interest, I suppose? Are well, the Irish interest is enormous. The Irish yeah. interest this year. I mean, this year, unless people haven't been paying attention, and why should they, to awards season, that this could be the most Irish Oscars ever. Just doing the... Some suggest one or two um, websites, or, or these awards websites, are predicting there could be six acting nominees in the Oscar, Irish acting nominees in the wow. Oscars, which would be extraordinary. I mean, there's only ever been the maximum two, three, if you include the not yet quite Irish Daniel Day-Lewis in 1989, who hadn't taken citizenship yet. So this is between but, Banshees and Colin Kuhn. Uh, well, no, in, ter- the, in terms of the acting, we're talking about f- probably four nominations, or there are four nominations in the Golden Globes for um, uh, uh, Banshees, um, Possibly one act with a nomination for Jesse Buckley for a woman oh, talking, yeah, yeah, which yeah. She, she, no, she is not in the Globes, nor is Paul Mescal. But those two could definitely sneak into the Oscars nominations in two weeks' time. So that could that would make up the six. There are four at um, uh, this time around. Plus, um, uh, Brendan Gleeson's uh, son Donald is also got a nomination in the television oh, section the in the Golden Globes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so a huge, so a huge Irish interest there um, on Tuesday night. It's not, well, I say again, you can watch the highlights. You can't watch it live. You never, haven't been able to watch it live for years um, in this part of the world. That's nothing to do with recent controversies. But as far as the boycotting goes, people will know about this. Um, like everything else, they went virtual in 2020 and then following certain controversies were handed out in a private ceremony last year. Um, mere weeks before that show, the LA Times reported, to no great surprise, it should be said, at the, H- the Hollywood, For- Hollywood Foreign and Press Association, which runs the awards, um, had no black members. There, some voters had received various lavish gifts. Tom Cruise handed back his Golden Globes. And obviously, this is an important year for him because Top Gun Maverick is nominated all over the place. And then the story emerged that Brendan Fraser, who is who embarrassingly is up for Best Actor this year for The Whale, oh, yeah. um, um, uh, had complained that he had been uh, molested by a prominent member of, uh, groped by a prominent member of the HFPA some years and previously. And he's not turning up. And he's not turning up. Now, it doesn't seem... We'll see what happens. But, I mean, there was a piece in Variety recently, um, a few weeks ago, uh, uh, asking who was not going to turn up. And it, they couldn't find many people who were saying they're not going to turn up. So it does look as if they were oh, probably yeah. going to back. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Move <laughs> okay. on, that didn't happen. There's shiny bubbles. <laughs> I mean, it'd be, it'd be okay. interesting to see how they manoeuvre that. I mean, I, sus- I suspect Brendan Fraser, who was marginal favourite for the Oscar for the whale, is not going to win. Um, I think okay. that the, the voters there are probably going to give that to, um, uh, to the star of Elvis. Um, so I think, you know, it, it'll be interesting right. to see how they manoeuvre themselves around those difficulties. Uh, Jen, the rig on Amazon. It's about time they said something good on an oil rig, isn't oh, it? Yeah. It's, a, it's a great, <laughs> it's a good location. Like it, it is, yeah. because what it is, is this is a, a kind of a weird 70s horror throwback almost, Excellent. because you need... Yeah an isolated place that's what it is so it's like you know a space station like you want to transplant that into like you know the rig like so basically it's a crew 
Um, and it's it's so paranoid. But it's starring Line of Duty's Martin Compton. He's part of this crew in this North Sea oil rig, and his he his character has just replaced another character um, in the company that hired them. So because they're looking to make cuts, so you have this very them and us setup between the company and the crew, and then that the angst between all the colleagues only increases because they're due to leave and head to shore, and then they find themselves stranded. They're completely cut off from all communications when this weird fog descends upon the. I love it. So yeah. it's very much like John Carpenter. It's like because Great. there's a supernatural element to it as you as you keep on watching it. So it's like the fog, but it's also like the thing. Um, they all start turning against each other. And Mark Bonner is in it, who I think is just this oftentimes very underrated actor. He is a great part in it. He's so menacing. It's a very meaty role, but uh, it's such a good, it's such a fun watch. I think um, more great. than I thought it was going to be. Okay, the rig on Amazon is that up there mm, now? It's up now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, Donald, you you were in here raving about After Sun with Paul Mess and can raved about it and everything and now it's shown up on uh, Mubi this is a, uh, one of your fancy um, streaming <laughs> I have mentioned Mubi on this programme before that is correct um, uh, yeah I mean to point out the Golden Globes did not nominate Paul Mescal or anyone else from what I think it's fair to say is the most acclaimed film of last year uh, Charlotte Wells is after is it, yeah I think so yes I think you can probably make that make that statement fairly okay. um, uh, fairly confidently Jen's nodding yes. oh yeah, yeah definitely 100% <laughs> right, wow, um, okay. but I, mean, I, I, I saw it at Cannes last year and it, it sort of came not quite out of nowhere because it was Produced by Barry Jenkins, who directed um, uh, uh, Moonlight, which is obviously a prominent source there that um, uh, got it before before eyes. But it was played in probably the least prominent of the three sections in Cannes in, in Critics Week. And I, I can remember that, that that day sort of being torn between that and the documentary on Jerry Lee Lewis and eventually decided <laughs> to go for the Paul Mescal film and walked all the way down and was blown away by it. A beautiful little film about a Scottish father holidaying with his daughter in the late 1990s. Um, autobiographical by all accounts, a debut film from Charlotte Wells. And yes, it is now arriving relatively quickly onto the streaming service, which is Mubi. There, uh, it's a great service. Uh, can we get a free uh, trial? Of I believe you do, can. Do they? Okay. Yes. Right. So, so it's M U B I. M U B I. Look it up. Um, uh, watch After Sun. If you don't fancy what's on there, you can leave and never come back. But yeah. I would, I would advise you to <laughs> at least go give, for it for a week I, or a I month or whatever. I think it's a tremendous service, yeah. and okay. it's certainly worth going there for a brief visit to watch After Sun. Okay, Jen. Uh, Breakpoint on Netflix from yeah. January thirteenth. That's up next Friday, and this is a. Uh, the world of professional tennis but it's amazing yeah. yeah it's like Netflix they had this Formula 1 series uh, Drive to Survive and this is behind the scenes following the F1 drivers and their teams through their times in all the world championships and it was a massive people success loved. Yeah. people loved it even if you had no interest in Formula 1 it was still gripping because you're just watching that the pressure that they're all under and it's the same thing with tennis tennis is the only sport I actually care about so this is right up my street but I think even if you don't care it's just jam-packed full and of is complete this real drama. access in relatively real time oh like, yeah this is in the last year like. they go to like all the, the Grand Slams so you're like the Australian Open um, it starts with that and it starts with the kind of Djokovic uh, controversy about the fact that you know he was no vax and he wasn't getting his vaccination so they kicked him out and he didn't play and then all of the other players were kind of quarantined in the hotels so it's about the, the rise of this crop of young tennis players who are going to be replacing the Djokovic's and the Nadal's so the next generation and the pressures that they're under so but like the first episode is uh, it's absolutely brilliant it, it focuses on Nick Kyrgios who is this very controversial uh, player he's almost like the Kanye of tennis uh, before <laughs> Kanye went yeah, completely yeah, yeah, off the boil and yeah. he's just you know he's 
always in the headlines for the wrong reasons. He's pure tabloid fodder. fodder. He flies into rages, you know, smashing rackets. You, you starting can, they kind brilliant. of need him, don't they? they Definitely. Sport needs him. He's, he's a, in many ways a dreadful fellow, but, but they kind of need someone with that charisma. He's a complete maverick. So he this has, is tennis for people who don't want to watch the actual tennis. Like, what it's just they all, do all is the it's drama. all the behind-the-scenes drama. Amazing. But then okay. also they kind of squeeze the matches down into the most tense moments. And I think for anybody that wants to get into tennis, even if you want to support someone like uh, Matteo Berrettini, he's the one to watch for sure. He's like, okay. he looks like George Michael. He plays like Nadal. He's the one to watch. He is the star. Donald, really briefly, uh, what you're looking forward to most this week, I believe, is on the BBC, the Snooker Masters, yes? Oh, yeah. I love, love the matter. I love the snooker. I love the snooker for course, course 40 years, ever do. since Steve Davis emerged in the uh, early 80s and the whole thing was put in its head. Because before that, you may remember, well, you wouldn't remember, no, even I don't remember, it was sort of played in smoky halls and with men drinking Watney's Red Barrel yeah. uh, and walking away with a fiver for and then suddenly it became this. And it's, it's this, the standard of the sport is better than ever. And I love the Masters because it's the 16 best players. Um, there's no messing around. Top 16, um, knockout right from the beginning, one table right from the beginning. And I think it's the most interesting of the tournaments and that is on for the rest of the week and I shall be glued to it, hoping for my man Barry Hawkins to do well. And of course, um, uh, Mark Allen from Antrim, the dogged Mark Allen from Antrim. Dogged is where they always use about Northern Irish people when they're um, in any way successful. <laughs> okay, I'm just leaving you talk on dogged, because dogged, this dogged, is dogged. so uh, unlikely and mad. All right. Um, <laughs> Jen, finally, um, Sky Documentaries yeah. from today is Spectre, the life story of music producer Phil Spectre, who has now a complicated kind of Very legacy. Very complicated, say yeah, to put it mildly. Like, I think we're living in a time where we're coming to reassess our artistic heroes and this is the four-part documentary that details not only his professional life but and his legendary output, but also his personal demons. And it's a sprawling piece that's trying to untangle that kind of the mental knots of his life, but also how he ended up with a woman, this actress, Lana Clarkson, who shot dead in his mansion in 2003. And it is like something from a noir film um, because you have him as this eccentric figure who is, you know, produced so many destructive romance songs and it's hard to not get swept yeah. away with that I kind do, of But does thematic. it manage to pull off? The, it really yeah. does because okay. it digs deep not only into his psyche, psyche but with Lana Clarkson it makes her gives her interiority which she lost as a victim okay. of this crime and it's, it's well worth watching. Okay, that's um, that's uh, Spectre uh, on uh, Sky Documentaries from today. Okay, Jen Gann and Donald Clark thank you very much.